Hello, and welcome to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Ritma. Here, we believe success is inevitable and everything is possible. On each episode, we get real about the entrepreneurial journey and look at what it means to lean into your intuition, feel in alignment with your business, have coffee with resistance, and trust in abundance. We answer the tough questions. How can we show up authentically in business, with integrity in relationships, deeply seeking in our spiritual practice, and with grace in motherhood and beyond? This podcast celebrates the anti-hustle, healing from toxic productivity, prioritizing rest, and discovering tools that will support both your healing and business growth journeys. Your time and energy are precious resources, so thank you for being here. Your presence is a gift, and your business is thanking you. Get ready to get real, get honest, and keep growing. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Authentic Audience Podcast. I am your host, Krista Ritma. I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today. If you don't already know her, Erin Trelore is a celebrity health and life coach, meditation teacher, and host of the Raw Beauty Talks podcast. Her practice is rooted in intuitive eating, mindfulness, self-love, mind-body wellness, forging a new paradigm of wellness. Her work has been featured in publications including Elle, the LA Times, and Marie Claire, amongst others. Her nonprofit, Free to Be, has taught media literacy and positive body image tools to over 2,500 youth. I had the privilege and honor of being on Erin's podcast a few weeks ago, and I don't do this very often, but I was so inspired by our conversation. I was like, I'm not done. And (laughs) it's time to turn the tables and now shed some light on how amazing you are. So welcome. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like everyone needs to write out their bio and have somebody read it to them daily because (laughs) that was like, oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I do do those things. That's interesting. Yeah. Felt good. I have like a love hate relationship with bios, I feel, Mm -hmm. because sometimes it can feel so stale and not who we are. And Mm -hmm. we're so multifaceted, you know, it's like, how do I even describe what I do? And then Mm -hmm. other times when we're like in alignment (laughs) with what it is we're doing, I find it can be this really beautiful reminder. And I have a practice with my clients where I have them write their bio like five years out. And it's just such a fun tool. But to remember that us five years ago would just be like so amazed at our bio today. So congratulations because you're amazing. I love that exercise so much. I love that exercise. And I love how you said that bios can feel stale and um, and alternatively, they can feel really in alignment. And I think as you were reading my bio, I was like, holy shit, I'm so in alignment with the woman that I always dreamed of being. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and we forget about that sometimes in the day to day. Mock and mud is where, you know, self doubt is popping up or anxiety takes the steering wheel. We forget, we forget all of the things that we're doing well and, and just that even without the titles and the, um, the press hits and all of these things as well, that we are 
just enough as we are day to day. I think it's such a powerful reminder. So many of our practices, like whether it be, you know, in personal development or even business, I feel like really tend to focus on what's not working or where we need to pivot or what we need to let go of or heal or whatever. And I've been really trying lately to also practice, you know, what's going well and what Mm. we're celebrating and leaning into that space a little bit more because it's both. It's the paradox. So I'd love to start by asking you, what are we celebrating? Like anchor us into what's going on in your world right now. Any context about you, about your work that you feel like you want to share, whatever's on your heart um, before we jump in. Thank you for that invitation. I was laughing because when you join in for a Zoom call with Krista, or maybe it was on Riverside, we're on Riverside now. We've done, we've, we've hopped onto both. There's an invitation while you're waiting for the host to let you join to take a few breaths and to say a gratitude for three things. And so I was like, oh, well, this is nice. I will do just that. I only got through one, but I feel so much gratitude for so many things in my life in this moment. I'm in this season right now where my kids who are five and seven, you know, it feels like we're out of the Thunderdome. <laughs> the fog has lifted. Yes, what is there that are like? still challenges, <laughs> but there's just, it for, for whatever reason, this season feels easier for me. Mm. And some things are feeling in alignment with in my business my relationship is feeling good. I still wake up some mornings and have a bit of anxiety. So I want to keep leaning into and working on prioritizing my health and well-being. But there just feels like a lot to be grateful for. Um, and I'm just very much so as well in a state where there's a lot of a lot more presence than there ever has been in the past, where I can go for a walk with my daughter, for example, after work yesterday. And I live in Vancouver, BC, which is rainy and cold and dark for a lot of the year. And it was so sunny yesterday and the flowers were blooming and there were so many birds everywhere. And I was just holding her hand and listening to her little voice and felt overwhelmingly grateful for this little walk that I was on. Um, And I can say wholeheartedly last year felt the complete opposite. Like last year I was in the hellhole of hellholes. I was Uh, going through my second major bout of debilitating anxiety, like panic attacks, intrusive thoughts, um, really feeling lost into how to ever get out of that space. Mm -hmm. It was fucking hard and brutal. And uh, there's no other way of putting it. Like I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And so I think sometimes when we go through those moments, when we get through the other side or the, the wave of life as it ebbs and flows moves us in a different direction. Oh man, it just feels so good. We can have so much gratitude and appreciation for the little things and the big things. Mm, Thank you for dropping us in so many things, so many directions. But I think one thing that obviously I feel, I see you as a vision holder. And I think that's what really landed when I was speaking to you on your podcast was like, wait, there's so much here. Um, I just want to listen to her speak more, right? And it's kind of hard on a podcast where you're interviewing me. And so what I want to hear you speak to more is like, 
And when I just want to applaud, I really feel um, so in resonance with this like scale or this 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 presence of anxiety and gratitude. And whenever I'm like journaling or writing, like they're both present. And so as you were speaking and talking about the season of life as a mother, like my daughter's eight months old. So we're just like, you know, in it. You are in I it. I don't even know what time is anymore. And, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the business and, and my partner and all of these things, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the anxiety, it's still there, even when things are going really well. And I think for somebody that's like new or like recently back into therapy, that's been like my biggest aha moment as somebody that also struggles with like severe debilitating anxiety, recently OCD and postpartum depression. It's like things can be going really great, but like you have anxiety. <laughs> like like this is something that is a lifelong, you know, for 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 now it will be there. And like how we practice those daily things, like you said, so, you know, even though I'm doing all this, anxiety is still showing up and I'm really prioritizing that. And I would love to just unpack that a little bit more because I, it's like when you have anxiety, you have anxiety and you're still a mom, you're still a business owner, you can still have gratitude and you can still be all these things. But like, mental health is still there. It's like mm-hmm. with you. And obviously there's a lot we can do, but I think just acknowledging that along with all your wins was like really healing for me. Mm-hmm. And I would just love you to speak to that a little bit more, like how when things are going well, mm-hmm. right? Because I want to get to when things are not, mm-hmm. but when things are going well, how we manage the, for me, ever present anxious, intrusive thoughts on a day-to-day basis and how that's going for you now when things are like steady? Mm. Such a great question. I mean, I think you're speaking to our capacity as human beings to hold not just one emotion, but a number of different things at the Mm -hmm. same time. So, and that can feel conflicting to us in moments. Like how can I be anxious and yet so grateful or how can I logically know that things in my life are okay, that I'm safe, and yet my body, my mind are telling me the complete opposite? Like, why can't I just feel better in the space that I'm in? And so, mm-hmm. I, first of all, I'm working right now on not saying my anxiety so much, but the symptoms of anxiety that I experience just detaching from it a little bit, recognizing I am not anxiety. I am not anxious. I am somebody who experiences symptoms of anxiety. And sometimes they're really big and sometimes they're, you know, more of that underground buzzing nature. Um, And allowing room to hold both. You know, when my anxiety was really debilitating and I had two periods of this postpartum after at about eight months with, um, after having my daughter, mm-hmm. so I've, uh, my son, and then two years later I had my daughter I absolutely love the work that I do and found it very hard to just stay at home with the kids. And as much as I loved them, like talk about holding space for two things, like loving something more than anything. And also being like, I can't spend 24 hours a day with you attached to me. So I've got to go off and do my work. Um, 
I, at about eight months postpartum with Brooklyn, started to experience panic attacks, intrusive thoughts, and had no idea what was happening, like, or why it was happening. Um, and I had another bout about two years after that, um, that were completely debilitating. And when you're in that state, I couldn't work. I couldn't do it. I, I really like could barely get out of bed uh, without having panic attack and these intrusive thoughts that were telling me everything from you're not meant to be a mom to you're a burden. Uh, you're never going to get over this. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on. It was just yeah. kind of constant. So when I'm in that state, anxiety has me full stop. Mm -hmm. The only thing I can focus on is breathing to get through the day. Breathing, entirely uh, surrendering to be cared for by those around me, which feels mm -hmm. so uncomfortable. Uh, having to ask, you know, like my mom and dad to step in, having to watch Scott hold down the fort at home and within his own business it smashes the ego to pieces and it's very uncomfortable for me as somebody who's always doing, 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 go, go, go. Then there are times when the anxiety is a lot more mild. And in many ways, you could say that anxiety has served me a lot in my life. It gives me energy. It gives me, it keeps me going, keeps me on my toes. I work harder than a lot of people. I'm not able to sit and watch a TV show for very long. So I'm doing, doing, doing. And so in many ways, it's allowed me to sort of succeed and thrive. But I understand now that I would do all of those things and could do all of those things right. in a much more chill manner without my nervous system being <laughs> really? so damn stressed all the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. It is a possibility. We don't have to exist in fight flight 24-7 for our entire life. Yeah. Well, you're going to get there. I have no doubt about it. You are so in the fog right now that and you know it logically, but you know, 10 years from now, you're going to look back at yourself in this stage being like, wow, I was so strong to get through that. So strong to get through that. And I still showed up as a mom. I still showed up and was doing these damn interviews. Why was I doing that? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. You know, you, you'll know why you're doing it. But at the same time, I think sometimes those older, wiser versions of ourselves will, um, with fondness and, and gentleness and compassion, look back and be like, slow down, honey. Mm -hmm. It's all going to come together. It's all going to work out. So back to the question, which I don't even remember what it was now. I think that we can experience the symptoms of anxiety in different ways, in different seasons and at different levels. And sometimes it is going to be so loud that all we can do is really work with the anxiety. And in other times, we may find that we there's just so much more room for joy and gratitude alongside the anxiety. But for me, it's, it's become this whisper that reminds me to take care of myself, that reminds me that I matter and need space and my body does too. I can't work 24-7. I can't let go of my meditation practice for weeks on end and just not work out and sit at my desk all day and then look after the kids and then go back to my computer and then fall asleep at 11 and get up at six. And like, that's just, that's not, it. so when the anxiety comes up, it's just saying, Aaron, 
You're pushing the boundary here. Mm -hmm. This isn't okay. Um, And so I can use it as a bit of a guide now. I don't fear it in the same way that I did for a long time. And um, I also have so many tools now as well to support me Mm -hmm. on those anxious days. So I feel much more empowered Mm -hmm. when the anxiety shows up. Mm -hmm. Man, you said so many things that I just wrote down. So just these micro shifts, you know, of seeing it as a guide, really. And that's one thing that I was laughing as you were speaking to, like the success that has come from, you know, having Mm -hmm. these anxious symptoms. Because I said to my therapist recently, as I'm diving into like, you know, this, the day that you just described, right? Like, working too much, 11 is literally what you just described, and how to get out of that cycle. And I came to therapy one day and I was like, so am I successful because of my mental illness? (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, no, you would be successful either way. And God bless her for saying that because I just had this realization, especially now with some OCD stuff that's going on. I'm like, is this reassurance seeking? Have I made an entire living speaking vulnerably on my podcast because of my anxiety? Like I just sort of then went down that rabbit hole of Mm -hmm. like, I'm available, I'm online. Like all of these things that have actually been like keeping me in fight or flight have on the other side of things supported me in becoming very successful. Mm -hmm. And now I'm at this intersection where I'm like doing the work. I'm ready to change. I'm helping other people do the work. Like it's time. But I did have that moment of like, wait, am I successful because of my anxiety? Therefore, like, is there any chance of healing this? Right. Mm -hmm. And the answer is no. I am absolutely because I am who I am. And it's just such a beautiful reminder. And I'm glad I'm not the only one that sort of went through that process. No, I think anybody who has anxiety, there's a fear of losing that edge that can come with it. And that if we lose that edge, that we'll just sit on the couch eating cheesies all day watching TV. And with that comes a deeper fear of, of, quote unquote, failing or not being enough or the motivation, if it's coming from the right place, is coming from within. And for most of us, I think ultimately when we draw the line back, it's it's connecting to our purpose, connecting to our human nature to serve others and the way that that makes us feel. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of similarities between the two of us. Mm-hmm. Perhaps one of our challenges uh, or opportunities for growth is around setting boundaries and having trust that we don't have to give every part of ourselves yeah. in order to find success and uh, that it will come regardless uh, mm-hmm. and perhaps with more ease in mm-hmm. doing so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so that's so beautiful. It's such a powerful reminder and and um Yeah. The other thing that you had said, and it just reminded me when you spoke to failure, like this fear that us type A, you know, sort of like, what is failure? I mean, I I don't even know what that means, but we have this fear of it. And for me, I think when I have to ask for help 
or lean on those people. Like I put in big letters, like to allow yourself to be cared for by Mm. those around me, like that feels hard. And what a big, I don't know, just when you said that, I was like, whoa. Well, I think when we look at, yeah, I, I mean, you're not the only one who finds it difficult to be cared for. And when you look at how we're raised as girls in this society and what we are taught, it is to constantly be giving to others, mm-hmm. to um, really lean into this maternal instinct that is there for some, um, but to put ourselves on the back burner, to take care of others. We're praised when based on how well we look after like she would give the shirt off her back she she was always caring for others um she she's the most giving person i mean i've heard that my whole life and it becomes part of our identity and then it becomes very hard to allow others to care for us and we also stretch ourselves so damn thin that mm-hmm. we're anxious and we're having breakdowns and all of these things and yet we've been so conditioned to believe that our worth is in our capacity to hold space for others, to care for others. So especially I think people who are in this more healing field where it naturally is part of us and who we are, we really, again, have to come back to those boundaries of how much can I give before I'm taking away from myself? Mm -hmm. How much can I give before I'm pushing the line of my own health and wellness? And for me, I've never been somebody to learn these lessons with a lot of grace and to kind of figure it out before it happens. Like I effing slam into the wall, have a massive existential crisis, like the whole tower falls down on top of me. I'm bleeding. I'm underground. I'm not sure how I'm going to get out. And it's only once I've climbed out of the rubble in a huge mess that I'm able to see these things. I, and I've said many times before, like, why do I have to do this in this way? And of course, you know, once you get through it, there's so many lessons to be had. And, and in really having to climb out of those dark places, I have to learn the tools. Mm-hmm. I have to practice the tools And I have to become an expert in the tools to get out of it, Mm -hmm. which then allows me to use the language and to teach the tools to others who are in that black, dark hole. Mm -hmm. And so I remember, you know, uh, my story begins, well, when I was born, obviously, (laughs) but that first dark hole that I was in was when I was about 16, I developed a really severe eating disorder. And I was looking at these images of women in magazines. I was a perfectionist. I was a straight A student. I was the oldest sister, um, two younger sisters, kind of constantly taking care of the family, right? Mm -hmm. Constantly striving to do my best, be my best. And there were these images in these magazines of what the most beautiful, perfect girl looked like. And I was like, okay, great. I just need to lose a little bit of weight off my hips how do I do that? Okay. Cosmopolitan magazine tells me no fats right now. This is the season of no fats. And I followed the prescription 
And within a few months had a raging case of anorexia that landed me in the hospital for three months in between grade 11 and 12 in an inpatient program with a feeding program. I mean, the whole bit. I, at the time, was diagnosed with anorexia and an eating disorder, and that's what was treated. But looking back now and understanding myself and my nervous system, I had anxiety and food my body became a coping mechanism for that anxiety. It was the only tool, the only way that I knew to regulate my system at that time. Yeah, you were in control. I was in control of something. Mm-hmm. And the eating disorder, the anorexia uh, was treated and I got back up to a healthy weight and those voices in my head of counting calories and you're not allowed to eat this and you're not allowed to eat that, those became much quieter but they were still present because nobody actually taught me how to eat in this world where diet culture is just so pervasive. And here's the thing, like I grew up in a family with a mom who was never dieting. Mm-hmm. She didn't talk a lot about body image. So it wasn't a stereotypical family of the girl who gets the eating disorder where mom's really preoccupied with her body and appearance. There's right. diet talk in the home. None of that was happening. This was all messages from media that I was just so influenced by. Mm-hmm. And so I fell into a pattern of binge eating where I would eat really clean and quote unquote healthy during the day or what I thought was healthy based on what I was reading, but it wasn't enough for my body and it would send me into these binges in the evening. So my weight never changed, but I still had an eating disorder. So now nobody could really see it because I wasn't this super skinny girl. Um, I've always been long and lean. So if you see a picture of me, you'll note I'm still thin, but like I got really skinny. So then I was at this healthier weight, but my relationship with food in my body was still so deeply unhealthy. And I was anxious, but nobody was labeling or naming things or treating things like anxiety or depression at this stage. I'm 37 right now. So it's not even like I'm that old. Um, it's only been in more recent years that I understand Mm-hmm. that I have an anxiety disorder. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until last year that I was diagnosed with general anxiety disorder, OCD, and panic disorder. And so I don't even care about those labels, to be honest. Like, they don't mean anything to me other than the fact that I have something to work with now and right. something that... um we know that there's specific evidence-based treatment protocols that you can use right. to work with that kind of system. And so right. I've been able to root into those things. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel so strongly to around like naming it to heal it. I find that when I was told I was in my early twenties, the first time somebody diagnosed me with anxiety and it was kind of like, wait, this isn't how everybody sees the world. And starting to get those tools in my early 20s, it was mindfulness, you know, meditation early on. Um, As these tools were becoming more and more popular, I'm 34, almost 35, and and me too, in high school. And 
I was obviously having panic attacks, but like there weren't names for that. And so I find it to be so healing that so many people are talking to mental health and mental illness. And I, you know, with the most recent for me, OCD diagnosis, I just feel like it's the most misunderstood, but I had already been following like three amazing OCD therapists just because I love mental health and learning Mm -hmm. more about it. And so I felt so like, obviously that's what this is, right? Like, (laughs) oh my God, like this is like obsessive. And I named it to my therapist for the first time, like something that I've done since my husband had this accident. I like go down this rabbit hole on social of like widows Mm -hmm. and like I read their life story and how, and she was like, that's an OCD behavior. And it's like, I can stop this. Right. Like this doesn't have to be my life. And I think that for me, the naming of like, this is an intrusive thought. Mm-hmm. I can challenge this thought yeah. has just reminded me of my own power and like my own essence in so many ways, because I do feel like mental health is a full-time job, like of regulating our nervous systems. You know, like it is a full-time job. I have my water, I have my essential oils, I have my sunspot, you know what I mean? And I am always all day long regulating my nervous system, my playlists and, you know, my incense and just all of the things that bring me, you know, back. Mm. And so I just find your story to be so enlightening, I think, in so many ways, because you speak to it in a way that I don't really, except for on the podcast and, you know, here and there and hearing you share your story in such a, like, it's like, it's okay. And I think that's the hardest piece for me. And the one other thing I wanted to speak to is um, I, for a long time, and I think a lot of people, whether it's mental health or just in general, have this like really negative self-talk. And for me specifically around my anxiety, I'm like angry mm-hmm. that I have anxiety mm-hmm. and it sort of becomes this like loop of like, I should know better. I have mm-hmm. all the tools, da, 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 da. And yet I get hit with this wave and it's like, the rug is pulled out from beneath me. And like you said earlier, to come back to when it is in that like heavy wave of the breath. And for me, when I was pregnant last year at this time, I was just looking at pictures and I literally felt nauseous looking at the picture. (laughs) I had the worst (laughs) pregnancy, best birth, best baby, you know what I mean? But just the hardest time. And all I could do, all I could do, I was so debilitated physically. And I found that to be so fascinating because I've been so debilitated mentally. I've almost like gotten used to that mm-hmm. and have all of my mechanisms like you've named for sort of like still being this high functioning person. And yet the physical like takedown of my pregnancy, all I could do was breathe in a dark room. Yeah. And I like found God there. Yes. And I do find that in those dark moments, when you have a practice and a faith, Mm -hmm. maybe your tools go out the window, but like the faith doesn't leave you. Like the, the, you know, God doesn't leave you. And for me, I think 
working with my mental health has actually led me closer and like farther in my spiritual practice because it's a full-time job to be aware. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, we have to be aware maybe more than somebody who thinks happy thoughts all day. And, you know, my husband who's really grounded and, you know, is either thinking about like World War II or some like abstract AI thing that's taking place 200 years from now, like not rooted in like fear of, Mm -hmm. you know, insert like trauma here. Yes. And what a nice life that must be. But for Mm -hmm. those of us who are regularly needing to be present and like really attack, that's such a masculine word, um, care for, (laughs) nourish Mm -hmm. these things head on. I would love to know my favorite post of yours recently. It may have even been yesterday. And I was so moved because I feel this so strongly. And you were sharing that you don't have to have this like epic morning routine. Mm. And like my shoulders just sort of like dropped because all we see, you know, we're just fed this content and all I see is the sauna, the ice bath, the 20 minute Pilates, the 30 minute 12, 330 on the gym, on the treadmill. And it's like, what are you guys doing? Like, how do you have time? What time are you waking up? Like, how is this happening? I'm barely making it through. You know, I do my ice roller and I feel like that's luxury, you know, (laughs) with my coffee in the sun and my ice roller. And I feel that you just really spoke to like this almost, um, you know, I feel pressure to Mm -hmm. have my self-care look a certain way. And that actually can cause me to have more anxiety and feel like more frozen in terms of what's best for me. And so I was wondering if you could share like how you support your clients with like customizing Mm -hmm. a practice for you and being less influenced by the like routine that's hot right now that actually is maybe causing us to feel worse about ourselves. Oh, yes. I mean, this is my whole practice. And uh, I have two group coaching programs. One's called the Anxiety Reset, and one is called the Food and Body Reset. Then I work one-on-one with women. Uh, And the whole reason that I became a health coach, you know, I thought, am I going to go back to school and become a therapist? But when I really thought about it, I'm like, the whole reason that I fell into this disordered eating pattern was because of this definition of health that I was seeing in media that was trendy and that seemed to be working for everyone else. And when I followed that, it almost destroyed me. Like it really almost killed me. Mm-hmm. And so what is health? What is self-care? And at the end of the day, what I understand more now than ever is it is constantly evolving. It looks very different for different individuals based on your socioeconomic status, where you're at in your life, like which decade you're living in, what food you have access to, what brings you joy, what you actually like eating, whether or not you have allergies or anxiety, like there is just no one size fits all solution. So the work that I'm doing is constantly bringing women home to ask themselves questions, to help them identify what wellness looks like for them. So when you think about the word self-care, self-care, what does myself need in order to feel cared for right now? Do I need to get up at 5 a.m. to meditate, journal, 
do this whatever equation on the treadmill that everyone's doing right now? Or do I actually need sleep? Do I need a warm water with lemon? Do I need some deep breaths? Like it's actually reflecting inwards versus looking outward at what everyone else is doing to identify what you need. And when we can meet ourselves there, that is when healing and health begins to happen. Healing and health will never come from hating ourselves or feeling not enough or pushing ourselves to do what everyone else is doing. It comes from tuning in, listening, and then meeting ourselves there. Now, some days I'm like, I have a surplus of energy right now. It's like that little bit of friend. I want to go on the treadmill and do some sprints. Totally. It's coming back now with a seven and a five-year-old that I'm like, there's this amazing hike uh, right behind our house called the Gross Grind. You literally hike up a mountain. I'm like, oh, I want to do that. But for seven years, it has been gentle walks, uh, Melissa Wood Health, Pilates workouts for 15 or 20 minutes. And that's where my nervous system and my body were at. And it's, it's tricky. Social media has us comparing constantly to other individuals and looking over the fence at what's happening in somebody else's yard. But the more that we're looking over the fence and the longer that we're standing there, the, the less time we're spending in our own garden, enjoying our garden, tending to our garden, pulling out weeds, planting seeds. And so, yes, it's so natural to compare and it's so natural to momentarily get pulled into what someone else is doing. But can you almost use that as an invitation when you notice yourself doing that to say or to ask yourself, what is the kindest thing that I could do for myself right now? And a lot of us have completely forgotten that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are super out of touch with what that would even look like. Mm-hmm. So it might be reading. It might be walking. It might be letting yourself, giving yourself permission to just watch an hour of Selling Sunset. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the most totally. garbage show that you could put in your mind. But at the same time, like, maybe that's really what you need is just to just yeah. click off for a second and to laugh and like numb out. So wellness is, there's not one size fits all. There's not a prescription. There of course are absolutely guidelines that I follow, nourishing ourselves every few hours, hydrating, um, prioritizing sleep, moving your body in some way. All of these things are so helpful, getting out into nature, but it's not rocket science and it doesn't cost a million dollars and it doesn't take 17 million hours a day. As well, these health and wellness influencers that we're watching, like you have to imagine them shooting this content. So they're like, okay, putting my tripod on the counter. Okay. That's a good angle. And now I'm opening my fridge and I'm grabbing the thing. And then, okay, next scene, moving my tripod again, changing the video. And, and now I'm making my matcha and I'm smiling and I'm posing and I'm happy for these girls. Like you make your money, girls, you do your thing. And I hope that you're enjoying these things as you're doing it. But remember that they are first and foremost content producing marketing artists who are taking these beautiful things and making them look really good and that there's a process mm-hmm. behind that. So just mm-hmm. sometimes when you zoom out from there and you're like, oh, that sounds terrible, spending three hours like filming myself getting in and out of bed with the light and the stretch that we see in other times. It sounds exhausting. I tried to do <laughs> like, one like my morning practice yeah. and I like, forgot, forget it. Like <laughs> it's sacred. Yes. It's not meant to be filmed. 
and and do and and do one do a couple right but like for the viewer just remember that this is not a an in the moment beautiful sacred time that they're having when they're filming this it's 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 just not true it's so true you know (laughs) you're such a breath of fresh air to listen to it's like so funny some things that you say because it's like literally naming things like the neighbor's fence I'm literally in my I sit like kind of above (laughs) all my neighbor's yards and I literally said to my landscapers yesterday who are here to cut down a tree I looked over my fence and was like I like her mulch better than mine (laughs) Like, like and he said to me he said that's so funny because your neighbor on that side said she wanted her yard to look like yours yes and it's like around and around we go around and, and around we as go. i'm trying to tend my garden here i am looking at her mulch yes. and it's just such an obvious metaphor for you know how we're living our lives and i think what you remind me is how simple it is, how okay it is to be all of the things, you know, just to give ourselves permission, to give ourselves forgiveness, comp- compassion, kindness, all of these things. But it's just so great to listen to you share from this space of healing. Um, knowing Can I share that- one thing with you? Can yeah. I share one thing with you that was just really coming up for me? And yeah. for any other women who are feeling anxious right now, um, one of my healers, her name's Dr. Michelle Cambolis. She always says anxiety is a sane response to an insane ecosystem that we are living in. And so for those of us who are feeling anxious, I want you to remember that it's not your fault that you have this anxiety. We are living in a world that is demanding so much of us. We're so connected. We're seeing information from all around the world at much higher rates than we ever have been before. We're more connected to devices and we need to be for work to some capacity, but there's just so much going on that our system is uh, misfiring a little bit. It's becoming dysregulated. And so this is uncomfortable. It is uncomfortable for us. And we are underneath that rubble in a way, right? It can feel like that sometimes that we're underneath the rubble. But remember what I said about this being an opportunity to deepen into your own practices for your own survival, to challenge beliefs that have been held in our society for a long time about what our role is as women, uh, how to use our voice, how to set boundaries, uh, our relationship with money, like all of these things are going to get poked when we're in this state because the world needs to change. And so for everyone who's feeling these things right now, and we'll notice far more women than men, Mm -hmm. it's calling us to create the change that needs to occur in the world. It's inviting us to deepen into tools that will not only serve our generation, but generations to come. It is opening our eyes to the tools and language and ways of being that our children must hear in order to survive. So yes, this work is uncomfortable. And yes, it would be nice for it to go away. But imagine if we looked at anxiety as a blessing that we are the ones to hold it, because we know collectively, and we'll all root together and hold hands doing this right now, right? That we are strong enough to get through it. 
and we will not just allow it to ride along. Like we will learn from it, teach it, help others through it, heal from it. And in healing ourselves, we're healing our society. And so it is an honor to do this work. It is where we will find our greatest strength. It is fucking hard and uncomfortable. And yet we can do it. We absolutely mm. can. I'm just, is there anything else to say? I mean, should we just cut? Or that was, <laughs> it's that true, was though. so powerful. That was so beautiful. I'm literally, yeah, my, my question was any prayers for us? that you were going to share and you cut me off to say your prayer. And it was just <laughs> well, most- like, I just need you to know it because so you are, perfect. you are a healer and, and, and you are a helper. The message, though, like it's not your fault. And, and a micro shift that I've been playing with um, recently is this feeling of blessed. And instead of, I have to prep for my marketing class tonight, it's I am blessed to mm. prep. Mm -hmm. for this tonight. And I think the reframe that you just hit me, you know, over the head with in the most gentle, loving, kind way is the blessing of anxiety and the gifts and the teachings and how we can really use it to heal not just ourselves and our families, but the collective. And I know that you and I are so aligned in our work to do that. And Mm -hmm. how we do it looks very different, but our why is very connected. And I feel that spark of magic when I hear you speak. It's just like, I just want to have you on the podcast all day. I feel like a part (laughs) two and I'm going to tease a part two and that's all around money. And Mm -hmm. debt and how that plays a role. And we didn't even get in there. And I (laughs) I know you just have, you are just speaking of money, your wealth, you know, you are just such a Mm -hmm. wealth of health and information. And I'm just so grateful to have come across you and that you share this content, you know, because I think there are so many people doing this work and, and teaching this in like small sort of settings or one-to-one, but to be able to be scrolling on social and like it's scroll stopping, you know, what you share about really practicing these really simple tools. Mm -hmm. Like you said, it's simple, it's nourishment, it's hydration, it's sleep. And it's just such a powerful reminder. And I'm so grateful. Thank Mm -hmm. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. You're so kind and generous and such an incredible host. And I would love to come back. I cannot believe that the time has already passed. I'm like, what? I feel like we just started talking. I mean, um, <laughs> it was. This is one of the most dropped-in interviews I had. Uh, like the last two call- conversations I've had, I just and and I felt it before we even jumped on. Like when I saw your name on my calendar this morning, I do this thing where I sort of like reiki and love mm. up everybody in my day, and you know, pump myself love up for that for each meeting and energy that I'm about to hold. And I saw you, and I was like. Like my shoulders dropped like, oh, this is going to be so good, so juicy and so timely and divine. So I would love for you to share quickly. I will definitely put, you know, all the things in the show notes, but I know you have a few things that you are um, promoting right now. So if anyone else like me is just like, I need more, (laughs) will you give us the, the rundown of the calls to action? Sure. 
So um, I'd love it for you to come say hi over on Instagram at Raw Beauty Talks. That's where I am most of the time. A very tragic attempt to get onto TikTok that just didn't continue to roll. So come find me on Instagram. Yet. 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 (laughs) (laughs) Um, My website is rawbeauty.co. I'm starting up my food and body reset, which is all based around intuitive eating, nourishment, movement, mindset, and self-love. That's kicking off at the end of May. And then I have a retreat happening in Crete, Greece, September 29th to October 4th. It is a self-care retreat for anybody who is feeling called to just take some deep breaths, have a little fun with an epic group of women, drop in, turn inwards. We're going to do a combination in the mornings of some movement, some meditation, some breath work, a lot of free time in the afternoon to explore, adventure, sit by the pool, read, nap, all that good stuff. Uh, It's going to be absolutely incredible. So doors are wide open for that as well. Oh, that sounds amazing. I feel (laughs) like I took a deep breath just hearing about the retreat. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time. I know it's so valuable and I'm just, um, you know, for everyone listening, I know you're just, this is, this was such a, I had to write down like, you know, I have like 18 soundbite options. (laughs) Like (laughs) the whole thing is a soundbite, you know, what a powerful conversation. So thank Thank you for your magic. Thank Thank you for all that you do. Thank you. And for everyone listening, uh, thank you for being on this journey with me. It's so powerful. And this community is by far my favorite way to drop in and, and connect and grow together. So thank you. And until next.